Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 148 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, you know, one of the things that keeps changing is staffing in the church. And I remember even a decade ago, probably one of the most undervalued positions was anybody who worked in children's ministry. And uh, man, has that changed. And so we're going to talk today to Jim Weidman about staffing your church for the next generation. Because one of the challenges a lot of churches have is if you're not reaching young families, uh, you're not growing. And I know for us that staffing at Connexus Church, where I serve, staffing our kids' ministry and our student ministry well has resulted in like incredible growth. Our fastest growing demographic over the last number of years has been in young families. Why is that? Because we have been able, by the grace of God, to have an incredible team in place. But challenges, a lot of churches don't really value that. They don't know what skill set you need. So Jim Weidman is my guest today. For years, Jim served in the Next Gen Department at Church on the Move, an amazing church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that I'm actually going to be at uh, this month at the Seeds Conference. Going to be giving a keynote there and doing some fun stuff there. But Jim served there for years, and more recently, he's worked with Orange to set up a brand new next-gen staffing solutions. It's actually called uh, Next-Gen Staff Solutions, and they really staff the church with children's ministry, student ministry, and next-gen ministry people, including middle school. So um, he has got all kinds of insights into the type of team members you need to really propel your ministry forward. That's what we're going to talk about today. Also, I want you to know if your church is kind of stuck, here's something you might want to check out. You may want to check out uh, theunstuckchurch.com, theunstuckchurch.com. Tony Morgan and the good folks there have got a free church health assessment and and a free, really, life cycle assessment. And uh, if you've ever wondered, like, is our church really growing? Because sometimes, let's be honest, as pastors, we delude ourselves. We tell ourselves it's growing when it's not. Or maybe you're a catastrophizer. You think your church is in massive decline um, when in reality that's all happening in your head. Like, how do you really know what's true? Well, that's where the Unstuck Church assessment really helps out. And you can take it for free at theunstuckchurch.com. And you can take it individually, just if you want to go on as a staff member, or you can actually take it with your entire team, which I think would probably be more helpful. It will tell you where your church is at in terms of its life cycle. So uh, they're a great partner for this podcast. Make sure you check them out at theunstuckchurch.com. And then once again, hey, guess what? As much as we're enjoying summer right now, fall is coming. And you know what you need? You need a crew of trained volunteers. So how are you doing on that? Because volunteer training is a challenge for every church, big church, mid-sized churches, small churches. Everybody struggles with it. And we all struggle in different ways. That's why Trained Up Church can really come alongside you and help you, particularly in this season. First of all, if you don't really have great people to train your volunteers, they will do it for you. They have a done-for-you solution where it's basically you want your kidsmen people all trained, done. You want your guest services people trained, done. You, they, they've already done the videos, and you can just send your volunteers to them. 
For some of you, you're like, well, I'd like to do my own training, but we don't really have good video gear. Guess what? They've got a package for that too. And then for some of you, you want to do it all yourself. You want to do all your training, but it's like getting volunteers into the room. Well, what they can do is you can do your training. They will upload it to their websites, and then you bring your volunteers to the website rather than trying to get all your volunteers in the same room at the same time. You know you know the difference that can make? is it actually means that sometimes you go from half your volunteers trained to like 90 to 100% of your volunteers trained. Anyway, whether you do your own training, whether um, you don't, or whether you, you even need video equipment to do it, they've got you covered. And you just go to trainedup.church.com and tell them we sent you. In the meantime, let's jump in and have that conversation with Jim Weidman. You're going to find it so exciting. And here we go. I really believe this is one of the most understaffed, undervalued, and most important positions in the church. Jim, thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. It is so good to be here. You know, we've been trying to do this uh, for a long time, and right in the middle of my second grandbaby's birth, we had it all set up. We did, didn't we? He's six months old now. So uh, Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And, uh, you know, uh, grandkids are the reward for not killing the first bunch. (laughs) And so if you just hang in there, parents, uh, it, it really works out great. Uh, we're not there, and that's a really good theology of parenting, Jim, just so you yeah, know. That, yeah, yeah. You can think it. You just don't do it. Yeah, you and I both get to work with Reggie Joyner, so we'll put that in the next parenting resource. Just, yeah. Uh, uh, Reggie and I were uh, together uh, a little while ago, and we were talking about how our two grandparent books would be so different. We were having <laughs> so... Uh, it's kind of funny, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of great ways to parent, uh, grand grandparent and, uh, just hang in there folks because, uh, grandkids are coming. That's what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, we're not there yet, but I'm sure at some point it'll probably happen, which is, yeah. uh, which is great right now. We are enjoying the empty nest. It's uh, kind of fun. It is fun. Mm-hmm. If you still like each other, isn't that yeah, the goal yeah. of marriage? Well, it's that like, was one of the goals. Yeah, after a couple of decades, hopefully you still like each other. And there were moments where we weren't sure, (laughs) right? But you come through it, Jim. Well, I'm almost on that fourth decade, so... Are you uh, really? Yeah, so we're we're approaching 40 and uh, looking so forward. Yeah, that's great. Would would have been, you know what, we're not talking about this at all today, but while we got (laughs) Grandpa on the line and uh, a guy who's been married for almost four decades... Decades, as you know, Jim. There's a lot of young leaders who listen to this who are not four decades, but four years into it, or four months into it, or uh, 14 years into it. What have been some things that have really made it work for you over the years? You know, you know, for us, um, whatever I did to win her affection, that's what I did to keep it. Mm. Uh, I didn't assume down the road whether it be five years, ten years, or thirty years that she would go out with me just because she was my wife. So I called and asked her out every week and, uh, I had a plan. Uh, I still opened the door and still, uh, you know, it, if you took bass when you were dating, you ought to take bass now that you're married. (laughs) And it's crazy to me how people take each other for granted and don't realize that the things you did to win their affection is what you do to keep it. No, that's a really good point, you know, and, and I think a lot of people get into that that thing. I mean, my wife still gives me a hard time because I don't like dancing, but yeah. we, would, we would dance when we were dating. But I'm like, well, I kind of won you. Now I don't have to dance anymore. But that's like a really irresponsible attitude. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Congratulations on four decades. And you've done yeah. that through a lot of ministry, too. I mean, you were at yeah. Church on the Move. Uh, you've helped out as an executive pastor. And basically, you spend most of your time being Jim, right? Collecting vintage guitars. Well, <laughs> you know, when I came to know the Lord, if you were a prostitute, a drug addict, or a musician, you had to find something else to do for a living. That was back before Christians could play bars and uh <laughs> And so all I'd ever done is played in bands and started playing out uh, at a young age. So I went off to Bible college after I came to know the Lord and started buying and selling uh, guitars because I couldn't play clubs. And there was just so much studio business in Jackson, Mississippi. (laughs) And so so, uh, I started going up in the Delta and buying old Gibsons, Martins and Fenders and taking them to Gruen's Guitars here in Nashville where I live and uh, reselling and expand on the difference. And then the internet showed up and you got to, you got to just be a little more creative and good Mm -hmm. deals are harder to find. But if you know what you're looking for and can tell what's been changed and what hadn't, you still do pretty good. I I do a couple of vintage shows a year and uh, seems like Everywhere I speak, I end up talking about somebody's granddaddy's guitar. Isn't that interesting? Okay, I'm not a musician. I have a son who is. What's your favorite guitar, like the one you will never give up? Well, I still have my first electric, which is a 64 Fender Mustang. That I still have the original bill of sale and Hmm. got it for Christmas, the 64. And um, I still have uh, my first acoustic, which is a 62 Guild. And I have a 72 Humminbird that has, uh, I bought my junior year in high school that pretty much has been through my entire life. I have uh, Yancey in a wedding dress, pictured all my grandkids on the day they were born were laying on that guitar. And so um, it's, <laughs> Isn't that it's, something? Kind of, it's kind of been a family member. So. Hey, make make the connection too. You mentioned Yancey. How, how do you know Yancey? Well, <laughs> I know how you know. She, she She's came out first. She came out first. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you have more than one child, the first child always says, you know, you didn't do, you know, you didn't do that with me. And I always tell her Jesus knew that she could handle it. So she came out first. And <laughs> it, so. But she's your daughter. If people are trying She's to connect wonderful. The yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, does a lot of ministry with us. And, um, uh, it's, it's kind of fun being Yancey's dad. Uh, uh-huh. rather than Jim Weidman's daughter. so Yeah, that's, that's kind of cool when that happens, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it you know, Jim, right before, literally, I checked my email a few minutes before we started this interview, and I got yet another question that I seem to get every week, which is, hey, I got an opening on my staff. I'm looking for, you know, I think this was a dis- discipleship pastor or something. Anyone come to mind? I can't tell you. I know a lot of church leaders. I know a lot of the people yeah. who listen to this podcast. I blank out every time. And these days, you are spending a lot of your time actually helping make the connections, particularly in yeah. the next-gen world, right? Like yeah. with uh, uh, re- children, student pastors. Yeah, it started a f- couple of years ago on Orange Tour. Reggie and I uh, would go out to eat with some pastors, and that question just came out first. I mean, the, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, after the chit-chat, how you're doing, I need a students or, or I need a kid's pastor and need someone in the next gen row. And, um, you know, Reggie would just look at me and say, Jim, find them somebody. And so, <laughs> as uh, he would, 
Yeah. And about six or seven people later, he looked at me and said, how are you doing this? And, uh, said, you know, that's been a need that we've had at orange for a long time. And we started talking about how we could solve that through next gen staff solutions, uh, an orange partner, uh, that, uh, we created and it's just been great. And I think it goes back to, you know, when I started children's ministry in the seventies, mm-hmm. uh, there were so few full-time children's folks. There was a lot of, uh, Christian ed pastors. Oh yeah. But, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that, was all that these, brings back a few memories. Jim. Yeah. That was all these Christian ed yeah. folks. Doing and lots of committees, stuff. lots of committees. Yeah. A lot of committees, but we won't know. <laughs> you, you know what a camel is. It's a horse put together by a church committee. Of course. Uh, but uh, it's one of those things that that uh, I guess there were so few people in, uh, doing full-time children's ministry. I was part of a large denomination then, and uh, they had thousands of churches worldwide, but they could only identify less than 200 people that was doing children's ministry throughout the world. Not Really? Just so but this is like four decades ago, and, yeah. and there were only 200 people doing children's ministry full-time throughout the world? Yeah. And, wow. And that nation. So as you started doing children's ministry, you know, something other than Sunday school, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, all of a sudden you just started connecting with folks. And it didn't really matter what your background was if, uh, if you did children's ministry with any denomination, you read, right. you networked, you hung out. Uh, that's, that's how I, uh, first met pastor Willie is, uh, mm-hmm. I was in Mississippi. He was in Oklahoma. Uh, at that particular time in the South, um, there was a guy in new Orleans. There was another guy in Lakeland, Florida. Um, you know, but that was it. That was the closest. Yeah, and you're to- talking about Willie George and church on the move, right? You were there for a decade. Doing children's I was ministry? There, yes, 17 years. 17 I years. Wow. Went right before the third birthday of the church and uh, left at the 20th birthday. And uh, just such a, uh, you know, just started uh, networking. And, uh, you know, I still just, you know, I network all the time at, at every conference we go to. I still go to children's ministry and student ministry, local support groups. When we started doing this, I had a person that had been doing um, staff searches for years call mm-hmm. me and say, how are you finding these people? And I just asked them, when was the last time you went to lunch with a children's pastor just to see how they were doing? And, uh, you know, that's it's all out of relationship. And, you know, at Orange and, and um, you know, we uh, – I just love hanging out with people. and No, you uh, really do. I mean, I've seen you. Yeah. We speak at the same events, and we're on the Orange Tour, Orange Conference together, and like you really do love networking with people. The way I look at it, Kerry, is everybody knows something I don't. Mm. And uh, I want to know what they know yeah. and also want to know who they know. And, uh, it's kind of funny. We, we were, you were at Austin and we I were, was. Get, I went back to the green room for a minute and, and, uh, it was so funny. I met a guy and signed a contract, uh, with a fellow outside of Houston. And, uh, I just got through meeting him. He gave me the list of all the things he was looking for in a student pastor. And 30 minutes later, a guy who I had, uh, interviewed for the church that we were, uh, <laughs> there, uh, but they didn't go with him. Um, 
he introduced me to a guy who was the perfect fit for what they were doing. They ended up hiring him uh, just a few weeks later. And, uh, you know, I also still make this thing a matter of prayer. I just, mm-hmm. I just really believe that if somebody is looking for that place where they can serve, there's a church and a pastor calling out for that person. And I just want the Lord to connect the dots and put us together. And, um, you know, sometimes a, a, um, you know, a moving car is easier to steer than one that's sitting still. So <laughs> yeah. I just, I just still hang out and get to know folks and network. And, um, it's, you know, uh, we're doing that on the live, live to serve tour now, mm-hmm. uh, for volunteers through orange, uh, orange conference is coming up and we're going to be, uh, networking. We'll have our own suite skybox. Uh, during the conference where folks can come and hang out with us at Next Gen Staff Solutions. And uh, then we'll do the same same thing over Orange Tour. We'll make it on all stops, but uh, the ones where uh, we get a lot of requests in the regions, then uh, those are some of the ones Matt and I uh, make sure that we cover. And yeah, it's just all about relationship. See, and I think that's great. So really, just to catch people up, you kind of do. We've had William Vanderblumen on the podcast yeah. before, and you know, uh, you're doing a niche job in terms of really focusing on the next generation. So these are positions that, I, listen, I've sat in the senior pastor seat for most of my life. Uh, everybody these days, it's not the 70s. We all want amazing yeah. next-gen people, great student people, great children's pastors, and what we're going to talk about today is a lot of the a lot of people really struggle to find them. So yeah. why is it such a tough question uh, or a, a tough position that whole next gen? And I know in a small church, right? One, I talked to somebody who was in charge of what was this? This was last week. He was in charge of all adult discipleship, children's ministry, preschool ministry, youth ministry, and he preached forty percent of the time. So yeah. basically, it's okay. What does your senior pastor do? But anyway, um, you know the, that was that old Christian ad <laughs> where you just did everything, and all the last thing on the job description was anything the pastor didn't want to do. Oh my gosh! I said, man, that's a tough job description. But you know, in a small church, I get it. You're a generalist, right? And so we have generalists listening, and we have you know senior leaders who are looking for a generalist. And you can get right down into, no, I'm the uh, infants director at a, at a very large right. multi-campus church, or I'm right. multi-site director of preschool, or, or whatever that happens to be. And, and you kind of do it all in that bandwidth. But a lot of people are always looking for staff. Why are these such demanding positions to fill? Well, I think it's because most of the people in the business of helping people fill them, they don't know any of those folks. That's not right. their wheelhouse. They don't hang out. Uh, you know, for 42, 43 years, I have fought hard to sit at the kids and youth table mm-hmm. and uh, to hang out in those conversations and to do that. But I think it all goes back to pastors aren't building leaders. Right. And they don't have a leadership pipeline or a way. One of the first things at Church on the Move that we started doing when the church was just three years old, is we got all the staff together, all of the people that each of our departments viewed as leaders or potential leaders. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pastor Willie would just rear back and just teach leadership to them. Um, You know, my first, I had a podcast before they were cool. And uh, (laughs) 
93, I started uh, just teaching leadership to key volunteers, key folks, and almost all my staff. And even now at Church on the Move, several of the guys in the pastoral care department and helping full-time as pastors, uh, they were master teachers for me doing large group uh, with kids. And so that uh, teaching, you know, leadership's leadership. If it's uh, in children's ministry, bus, you know, but we were doing bus ministry back then as well. And all, you know, uh, it was just one of those things that we created this leadership pipeline. And when I first started you know, selling cassettes and my podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your podcast. And, it was the cassette yeah, ministry. My podcast was a cassette that people uh, joined this leadership club for kids, folks. And it was, I was just recording the things I was teaching my lay people, yeah. which turned into my staff. And, um, you know, it was just having a way to develop leadership, uh, both in teaching and then also, um, one of the smartest things I think that I started doing early on in my ministry is, you know, we always looked at, uh, you know, an assistant teacher or helper just covering absentees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I started being deliberate and letting uh, them teach at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. Uh, I let my assistant worship leaders teach like on the second and fourth week. I'd let them lead. So uh, I was developing depth at key positions so that some of those folks I would send, uh, you know, when we started another service. We were, you know, at that, we went from once, you know, one service to, uh, uh, you know, five services. Yeah. And then and then you start doing, you know, different satellites and, and mm-hmm. either startup churches or either starting a multi-site yeah. and you've got to have that developmental tool where you're always developing leaders and have depth and let them have, you know, I have found as many churches as I've gone to, I've never seen one that's just everything they do is horrible. <laughs> uh, they don't believe that they're doing as well. And, uh, you know, they're, they have a, 36 point lead, let, let somebody get some playing time Mm. and start working on those other teams and development that, well, I took it a step forward. And then those key volunteers, I didn't offer them a job, but I gave them this promise is the same promise. My first pastor gave me said, I'm not offering you a job. I'm giving you an opportunity. And if we can't live without you, I promise we won't. And, Mm. uh, so I just gave them a carrot to, you know, uh, that they could work towards and a goal. And, uh, again, um, you know, um, we hired folks. Another thing that I think happens at every large church, um, there's a, a couple of things that make me define mega church from large church mm-hmm. is most mega churches will receive from more than one communicator. Mm-hmm. And they also have a, uh, whether it be a, um, intern program or some sort of, uh, school and work kind of master's commission or something to raise up leaders. They hire the best ones and send the others to other people. And, uh, that's kind of a common denominator I've noticed in churches that really set them apart because you've got to have that pipeline to hire within. 
And that's another thing we do at Next Gen Staff Solutions. Uh, we'll interview people that pastors want to hire within. We'll test uh, using our Right Path 4 and 6 uh, that we use um, on every candidate uh, that we bring to folks to make sure the fit's there. But we'll do interviews. Um, the other day, there's a church in South Carolina, and the girl they were interviewing was the worship pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. So they uh, had me interview her and, and just told her, if this guy doesn't think it's going to work, we're not going that way. So they put the blame on me. So it wasn't a weird situation. And that's just, you another can be the way. bad guy, right? Which I is can always be the good. Bad guy. And you know, that's the good thing about that old evangelist mentality. I'm down the road so I can be the bad guy, but <laughs> it's one of those things that we've done a lot of that. We're getting another pair of eyes, getting the assessments yeah. uh, together and looking at those things. Cause we're the only search firm that does an assessment on every cat candidate we do. Okay. And that's really what sets, um, you know, I said, if we're going to do this, I don't want to do what everybody else does. Um, I want to do it better. And, uh, sure. you know, we have at, you know, at orange coming out of North point and, you know, North point was using right path for, uh, four and six. And so of course, uh, they registered using it at orange. And so I went and got certified. Mm-hmm. And uh, to not only give the test, but read the assessments. And uh, so we do all the right path tools. I just finished. Uh, they have an excellent 360. I just got through doing that for church. Let me just back up. You dropped so much wisdom there. I want to get back to right paths and I want to talk about the context of a church. But I mean, let's go back to your church on the move days. You were there for 17 years. They grew from 1,000 to just shy of 18,000 at their big gatherings by the time you yeah. left. That was a lot of scale. And you you dropped so much wisdom there in such a short window of time. I just want to go back and unpack it a little bit, Jim. So one of the things you said, you know, if you have a 36-point lead, um, you might as well let your bench play a little yeah. bit. Did you, I think one of the fears a lot of leaders have, because they're like, well, we only have two people who are really good at teaching the big lesson, or, you know, we have this one small group leader who is so amazing, or this one, uh, you know, uh, communicator for our students who does retreats, and like, nobody else is as good as him or as her, so we can't bring anybody else up, like, there's no no playing field, Um, how do you know somebody is ready or how do you get them to the point that they're ready? Because I think a lot of church leaders, even in a very small church, they're afraid to put people in there before they're too green. So yeah. how, do, how do you deal with that? You know, when uh, Jethro got a visit from, uh, when Jethro showed up yeah. to see Moses and Mr. Excellent showed up, he, uh, wanted, you know, I love that story because, mm, me too. Uh, you know, uh, what happened was, Moses was doing the job alone. His wife took the babies and went home to daddy. Hmm. Daddy heard her side of the story, came back. Moses came out, heard his side of the story. He didn't believe either one of them. The next day, he observed for himself what was going on. (laughs) And uh, what he told him uh, is amazing. He says, you can't do it all. And he said, you're going to have to find uh, captains of 10, captains mm-hmm. of 50, captains of 500, a thousand. And most of us want that thousand. Right. We uh, think if you can't be uh, a leader want, of a thousand, you can't lead. Yeah. 
And the crazy thing about all that, one of the first things I want to ask Mr. Excellence uh, is (laughs) I want to ask him, he he didn't tell us how to determine. Yeah. I just preached on Exodus 18. Like I, I get that. That's a yeah. powerful story. Yeah. But but here's the cool thing about about him. Uh, he didn't start out being Jethro. Mm. If you look at that, uh, the first time we see him when Moses met his wife, didn't know it was his wife, and defended her for feeding uh, the priest of Midian's name was Rule, mm. and uh, and so that lets me know that nobody starts out excellent. Uh, even a man named excellent didn't start out that way. There was something that happened that caused that name to be changed. So there's hope for me and you that we don't have to start out being excellent. But to me, it's just simple. I take any leader, put them over 10. If they knock it out of the park, then I'll move them to the next place. If they don't, I'll offer coaching. I'll put them with someone who, uh, can, mentor them and coach them and help them. And then if they still don't get it, I just found a captain of 10 mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't try to run them off. I just find a, a place where a captain of 10 can be needed and used and rock it out of the park. But if, you know, I put them over 10 and they do excellent and I put them over 30 and they do excellent, then I'm going to move them to that 50, or I'm going to move them to 100 with someone else. And I think that leaders are scared. It's kind of like checkers or chess. Mm. You just have to kind of keep your hand on the piece and let them know, if this doesn't work, I'm going to move you back because I want what's best for you and where you can can really excel as a leader, but we're scared, you know, we're scared to move them again or, and, and I think that's one of the things when someone starts helping with, uh, a ministry that I'm over, I let them know that I'm going to move them around till I find their sweet spot where they can. That's a really good insight too, Jim, because I think sometimes, you know, people think, well, I have this job, so I have it for life, but and, and you think about what you're saying, like in a, in a rapidly growing context, whether you're growing from 50 to 200 or 200 to 2,000, you need yeah. a lot of leaders of 10. Like you, you'll, need, you'll need 10x the number of them that you do to your leaders of hundreds or thousands. Because uh, just by math, you know, those, those leaders of thousands over all the campuses or the campus or, you know, the program, it's a pretty rare breed. You know, I think of Frank Beeler. Here's a yeah. wonderful example Another of a guy mutual who, friend. who was a guy that was a volunteer and yeah. just knocking it out of the park. And the yeah. next thing you know, he's on staff and leading uh, at a wonderful megachurch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I found my original resume that I sent Pastor Willie back in 1989. <laughs> and um, I looked at that and I was not qualified to have the job that the Lord let me have for 17 years. But every weekend I was at the largest church I've ever worked at. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never done it before. And, uh, I was able to grow with it. And I think that some leaders, um, now it was easier because of the way pastor Willie led and the way he believed in his staff and put into me like nobody's business, uh, would let when guest speakers and different ones come, he let me be a fly on the wall and just listen to their conversations and those things. And then after the guest speaker left, I was able to 
be alone with him and ask him, now, what did you, what did y'all mean by this? And da, 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 da. And also every conference that I ever went to, he was a master of taking what I learned and using that to understand how that works within the vision of the house. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, that's one of the greatest things I learned from him that I've done it, uh, every, you know, the church that I served after that, as well as what I'm doing now and consulting and helping, um, uh, is taking what happens at orange conference, what happens mm-hmm. at live to serve and being able to help people understand how that fits in their own paradigm. No, and what you just said, too, I I don't want leaders to miss it. Like what Pastor Willie George did for you was he took a chance on you. Number one, he poured into you not just on hours, but off hours. Come to this conference with me, hang out in the green room while me and the speaker have lunch. He debriefed with you. In many ways, that's kind of a Jesus model, and I don't mean to over-spiritualize it, but that's what Jesus did. He would teach the crowds, and then he would call his disciples aside, and they would be like, we have no idea what just happened. He, okay, let me explain it to you. Blah, 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 blah. Let's go grab dinner, right? And that is a, that is a, a different, like, if all you're doing is office hours with your team, yeah. you're only going to get what you can accomplish in office hours. And even as department heads and, and going to staff meeting with him, uh, the dates and those kind of issues those went by really quick Mm. and the rest of the day was just developing, uh, the, how to think, uh, how to think bigger, how to look at things and just that development. And, uh, you know, you've got to start, uh, you know, again, um, you've got to put into other people and as your grow, as your ministry grows, you're going to spend more time, uh, developing others. Yes. Then you are just uh, planning programs and doing those things. And I know for me, I was I was more valuable being a leader of leaders than I was just a teacher of kids and uh, brought up staff to teach those folks. But then I could walk in and observe better. And I think it's knowing your strengths and knowing those things that walking in a room and seeing what each individual needs is a individual coaching plan to be able to hit their next level. And I think that's why people, uh, they're not building, uh, you know, here, here, here's, it all comes down to this. Uh, most of us work on the church we have rather than work on the church we want to have. Wow. And, and I can't be so busy with the work of the ministry that I'm not working on that church that I want to have. And a big part of that is leadership development. My last two churches, uh, I ended up with over uh, a thousand volunteers. Uh, (laughs) And just because we, you know, uh, I've always worked at uh, small staff, big volunteer ministries. And, you know, we were, at one time we were running five, when we had bus ministry, we were running 5,000 kids a weekend. Mm. And, uh, you just can't do that without staff. So, so much of my job was building that volunteer staff, building those volunteers, building a team, trying to take, uh, captains of 10 to captains of 550 and doing those things. And so, I was able to hire some wonderful people that were great communicators to kids. And then as a uh, manager 
of those things in that department, we had to constantly do leadership development. So that's that's probably the first thing I would tell folks. Um, you know, start some sort of leadership development. Number two, don't do anything alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, take somebody with you all the time. And uh, uh, whether it's hospital visitation, everything that you do, take somebody with you and then talk about what what they're going to see on the way there and then debrief on the way. And now you've, you know, there's a difference between delegation and duplication. Delegation mm. is assign somebody a task. Duplication is to make an exact copy. Mm. Uh, and uh, most of the time um, we delegate, then duplicate. But I found if you duplicate first, then you're going to be able to tell where they are in this captain of this many or that many, uh, because you're spending time with them. That's so good. And you know what? I hope, I hope leaders caught the fact that I think, you know, whether, again, you can be a small church, but whatever plateau you're facing, whether that's 50, 100, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000, often what happens when you can't break through that plateau is you're doing the work of ministry. You are so busy, you're spending your 40, 50, 60 hours, whatever you're putting in, just trying to get to Sunday, trying to get to Sunday. You're working in it, not on it. And right. I think you're right. What you said is, you know, when you were toward the end of your time at Church on the Move, you realized you are way more valuable developing other people than you are doing the work of ministry. And yeah. I think I think that's just genius. I wanna I wanna go go ahead, and then I wanna and, jump and into I right. I think pathing. that's what opened up what I'm doing right now. Okay, uh, because it's just opened up. I'm now doing that for a lot of different leaders. Sure. So let's talk about right path, okay? Because you're profiling all your candidates, but this works whether you're you're searching for staff or not. And we use right path at Connexus. North Point uses it. We're North Point partner. Orange uses yeah. it. I work with Reggie Joiner like you do, et cetera, et cetera. So long story short, whether you use right path or whether you use um, any, really it's a personality profile is what right, it is. Right. It right. gives you an objective standard beyond, I like this guy, or I think she's fantastic, which is usually well, how we hire. Um, what? Tell us a little bit about Right Path, why you use it. Not, not even, you know, Right Path, but just a personality profile. What does well, that bring? Anybody that wears glasses can yeah. understand this. There is a natural lens that I see through mm-hmm. that needs correction. <laughs> and uh, we all know Good as analogy. Christians— uh, we all know as Christians, you know, Jesus is the corrective lens for all of us. But <laughs> it's amazing to me how you can look at a passage, I can look at a passage, and we see different things. Yeah, that's because uh, there is a there's a natural lens of how I look at life, and even with the things that I know, there's a di- there's a difference in personality. Personality is that natural way you look at things, mm-hmm. but when, but I have learned some things along the road, and and when you look at what you know, versus um, just the way that we were all born, and the Lord sure. made us all different, and and you know Arby's tried to teach us a few years ago, uh, different is good, mm-hmm. and so uh, it's one of those things that that um, there. There are things that we know and things we don't. But when we get under stress, sometimes we forget the things we know. Yeah. And we look back at that natural lens. Yeah. 
And uh, so I want to know, you know, everybody, everybody says they want to work as a group, but I want to see if, uh, you know, people don't realize that this whole idea of four different personalities, it didn't start with this Hmm. uh, 50 or 60 years ago. Uh, Socrates was the first one to uh, really discover this and, you know, back in the Roman Empire. Yeah. And so we look at these things and, you know, we know we've all heard sanguine, melancholy, you know, that was his discovery. Mm. And he named those things off bodily fluids, which is also interesting. Mm. But the whole idea of four different types of things. And then we get, uh, you know, from Jung and some of the different folks, we also get behavioral studies and, yeah. and all these things. And that's really where Myers-Briggs came in. But again, that's dated um, you know, that's yeah. dated stuff. So, and right past six is really a redo of that Myers-Briggs. So I like to say right past four is like an X-ray right past six is more of an MRI. Mm-hmm. So I want to get, I want to see how you think. I want to see if you are organized. I want to see if you'd rather work alone than with a group, uh, de- depending on what you say, I want to be able to see that natural lens. And a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't either till I went through the training, that Right Path 4 and 6 was created for the staffing industry. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm a director, all right? That's my Right Path profile. And you could be an analyzer, a networker, a director, a driver. Those are just some that a deep thinker, I think, is another uh, yeah, profile. I'm, I'm, a a deep, th- I'm a deep thinker, but I'm an extrovert. Okay. So that's kind of weird for a deep thinker. Yeah, it would be. Uh, and, uh, that's been the thing that, uh, you know, I'm organized fun. And <laughs> organized fun. <laughs> so, I love uh, that, Jim. And that is true. If you know, Jim, yeah. he is organized fun. He'll never yeah. show up late to the party, but he is the party. That's great. Yeah. I show up with the party. Uh, you show you bring the party, man. Hey, Jim. So help me understand. One of the questions I've always had, and I don't know the answer to it, but like, is there an ideal profile or range of profiles for like a children's ministry person versus a student person versus a next gen person? Like, do you say, hey, if we can get these three or four types um, of profiles? they almost always make amazing children's ministry people. Like, is there that kind of formula or it's not that formulaic? I I think there are certain formulas based on duties you want people to have. Okay. Can you give us some examples? Let's get real practical. All right. Let's get real practical. Uh, Children's folks have, you know, uh, at one time I had 105 weekly classes I had to prepare for and do. you know, of different age groups and things that we had every week. And so a lot of student pastors don't have that. Um, uh, They don't have as many classes or many services. So you'll find a lot of times that children's pastors are the list makers or the very structured folks where uh, youth ministers don't have to be uh, uh, as structured because most of all their ministry is going on right there rather than, you know, just square footage. I can be, uh, you know, I have to have others to represent me as a children's pastor. Right. Uh, some of that too, Carrie, is just how the church wants to minister. 
mm-hmm. uh, being able to uh, uh, look and see are they collaborative? Um, you know, how do they want uh, those things? But to me, it's more about fit. Right. And this is what's, uh, I just helped a, uh, a fast-growing multi-site church in the Chesapeake, Virginia. Great church, mm-hmm. doing just great things. They're an art church, just growing, doing all kinds of things. And what I saw when I did the profile on the leadership, uh, there's five different um, energy or that whole looking at at how fast moving they are and the pace driven their drive factors and uh, everybody on staff had all were high in all five drive factors really so in the profile there's like i remember the three a's we always look for them ambitious achieving that's the third a i can't remember but yeah yeah. so it's it's factors it's it's isolatable factors like that that you're looking for yeah that also that help fit Right. Because uh, I had a had a children's pastor the other day that had had five jobs in eight years. Oh boy! And uh, I was trying to tell him why why he needed some coaching in some areas, and he was saying, "I have no problem getting a job." And I said, "Yeah, but you have a problem keeping one." <laughs> and uh, one of them is you're not teachable, which is ah. why we were having that discussion. But it's one of those things that. Looking at certain staffs, I can tell how long somebody's going to stay on that staff just looking at the other. Yeah, because they don't, you know. They don't uh, fit. Yeah, one of these is not like the others. Right. (laughs) It's kind of. So that's true. A fast-paced organization that's tightly structured, your right path will show, or any personality profile will show, this person's totally spontaneous. They're not structured. They don't like lists. And if you're looking for a list maker, because sitting yeah. in a job interview, right, Jim, and going, yeah. I love to make lists. I mean, you'll yeah. say anything to get a job if you want a job right. or, or whatever, but your profile tends not to lie. Yeah. And that profile, uh, and, and really it's not, it's, it's all right to not be exactly like everybody else, mm-hmm. but what that does is it shows the leader how much energy they're going to have to put forth to lead them. Right. And or vice versa. Here's the things I want them to do. Here's how much energy they're going to have to put out to do that job. Yeah. We have um, Fran Lamatina from North Point has helped us with our right path. She's assessed you, uh, an assessor. Yeah. You probably know Fran. She told yeah. us it connects us just because we tend to be highly structured, fast paced, forward looking. She said, never hire anybody who do- doesn't have at least two of the three A's. It's, I think yeah. it's ambition, achieving, accomplishment. I'm going to make up the third one. Yeah. And you know what? She was right. When we hired yeah. outside of that profile, and that was just a little flag. I'm not saying that's for every church. but I'm working with a church right now in Atlanta area, and the, and the pastor's wife has been the children's pastor for the last 10 years. Just sure. stepped out. When I met this lady... Uh, she is the Pied Piper of volunteers. I mean, you just fall in love. You want to help her. You want to, uh, you know, I wanted to volunteer, to, <laughs> uh, you know, to help. Yeah. And uh, I told him, I said, even if you don't want to pay for this, I have got to do an assessment on your wife. Because anybody that's going to take her place, I need someone that has some of that same gift sets. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and it was just one of those things that, that, um, 
I mean, she is going to be one tough nut to follow. <laughs> and uh, it is one of those things. So it's in looking at this, there's a lot of different factors. And, you know, we do want to make a paycheck. I mean, mm-hmm. but but at the same time, uh, if I don't serve that local church and I don't serve that pastor, and oh, the yeah. only way I know to work for somebody, uh, whether I'm uh, doing some sort of coaching or, or doing, uh, trying to find staff for them. I tell that senior pastor what I'd tell them if I worked for them full time. Hmm. And, uh, that really worked at my last church because I was consulting with them two years before I came on staff. Yeah. And I'm glad I told them the truth because I had to live with all my recommendations. <laughs> uh, and so it's one of those things that, uh, you know, as a consultant, you better speak the truth. And, and that's the thing that in looking at this, you can't do that without some sort of, of assessment or right. things that you're looking to really get to know people. And that's one of the things that we do that is a little different. Um, we do assessments on everybody and, um, you know, um, and bring different, you know, different strengths. I was able to show a leadership team, um, two different candidates this week and just showing that if they, if they hire this one, here are the people on staff that they're going to butt heads with. Mm. If they hire this one, there's really more people that are going to get along with them. They, they both had very similar, uh, experience levels, but, uh, they went with the candidate that was overall the best fit that the most yeah. people on staff. And, and that's, and that's what, you know, that's what's so cool. And, and the difference in each level of our assessments, uh, or our, our, um, packages we put together is just how many people on staff take the assessment. Yeah. And I think it's so good to have an objective measure. And what surprises me, regardless of the, the system you use, if you use a good one and I, I like right path uh, is, is you end up being able to call that stuff. Like, you know what, uh, <laughs> Janet and John are not going to get along. And here's yeah. why, because you've got their profiles in front of you. And, you know, if, if, if she's supervising him, then or like vice versa, it can be a problem. One thing that I like to do when we do make that hire, yeah, I like to do a one page right path on everyone they'll be working with. Oh, that's great. So that before they go to meetings on those first 90 days and all that stuff, they can glance at who they're going to meet with how to communicate with them. And I even try to help them succeed in, uh, understanding that first 90 days and what, what to do in those areas. That's so good. That's so helpful. Um, people are trying to hire or get hired right now. What are some common hiring mistakes that you see church leaders make? Um, I think that sometimes church leaders hire people that are like them. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, now drive factors are one thing, but, uh, you know, they like that person. And so they hire them rather than looking if that's, what's really best for that position. Do you find Uh, that sometimes they'll, they'll even look at their spiritual, um, tone, like, wow, this guy loves Jesus, loves the Bible, great attitude, great heart. You're hired, but they don't have the the hard skill set for the job. Is that it sometimes? You know, I think, I think 
this day people hire for skill set and they don't check on spiritual stuff. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Soul care. Soul care, you know, is just now getting to be the buzzword of Uh of things because it's all been about getting it done and we didn't care about our soul care. Uh, we wanted <laughs> we, we got hit by the bus of ministry, right? All of a sudden our souls are dead. Now, now uh we're working on that. But okay. you know, that's that's really the hard thing. The hard thing for me is not to find needed gift sets, but mm-hmm. to find the right people that believe what that church believes. Okay. We work with uh folks that can backslide, folks that can't backslide. You need to believe in Pentecostal beliefs, just don't act on any of them. Then we got some that we want you to believe it and act it. Uh, uh, we have some that baptism is a requirement uh, for salvation. And so the hard thing for me is the smaller the group or denomination, mm-hmm. there's other denominations that are, you know, led by a committee or the pastor parishions, yeah. and that's a hard one to sell on someone when there's other jobs that you won't have to answer to a committee. You actually answer to, uh, you know, a senior pastor or next gen person. Uh, and so some jobs are harder to fill than others. Yeah. And, and I, so those are really helpful tips. So on the one hand, you've got people who try to hire people who are like them, been there, done that. Uh, and that's a mistake. I mean, sometimes the church only needs one you, or you know, you need a very different skill set. You hire people without asking the tough questions about their spiritual formation, or maybe that's what it all boils down to, and you don't look at the hard skill set. Any other hiring mistakes you see leaders make again and again? I think that sometimes, you know, they don't run financials. Mm-hmm. They don't run background. You know, uh, they run a criminal history bra- background. Right. Uh, but that person isn't going to, if they can't manage money, mm-hmm. if they can't manage some of those other things, uh, spend time with their family. Do you want, uh, do you want the kids, uh, I'll spend the extra the money and let them bring the kids on the interview right. because I want to see if I want the kids of my church to turn out like the kids in their home. Oh, wow. And, uh, that's, that's one good. of the. That's one of the things that I want to see them parent. Yeah. Uh, and if, you know, uh, if they're not parenting uh, well themselves, they can't partner with parents once mm. they get there. That's so good. You know, I've never heard of that where you, I've heard of flying in the spouse. We've done that before, but yeah. actually watching them parent. Uh, it it reveals an awful lot and not that you want to be judgmental or anything, but it just, it tells you a lot. Really. It does. Doesn't it? Yeah. It's so funny back in the day when everybody had all these internship programs and that they didn't want the interns to date. Oh yeah. Uh, and they didn't want them to work another job. I wanted them to date and I wanted them to work another job because I wanted to see them under pressure (laughs) and doing, uh, multiple (laughs) things because if I ended up hiring this person, they were going to have to do life. Yeah, they and, they were eventually going to date, and they're eventually that. Yeah, yeah. So I want to see. I want to see how they make choices in the, in those areas. Uh, and so I guess I've always done it opposite than everybody else. <laughs> well, that's okay. There's there's wisdom in that, Jim. This is uh, this is super super helpful for leaders. I really appreciate the the thought that you pour into it. Um, 
Yeah. What about tips for candidates? What What would you advise uh, any candidates out there who are either thinking, I think this is my last few months at this church. I need to start looking around or people who are in the middle of a job search right now? Yeah, I, I would just really caution them. I have a tool that I put together years ago because that was probably after people ask, how do you get volunteers? The mm-hmm. next thing they'd always say is, I'm not sure I'm in the will of God. And, yeah. and, uh, or, uh, and so I put together a little resource called stay or go okay. and, uh, you can get it at jimweidman.com. Uh, the great thing is, is it's helped leaders stay more than go, mm. uh, which, uh, is kind of fun. Some questions, uh, to ask you and your spouse. There's also some questions to ask. Um, the, 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 the mistakes candidates make is they just let the pastor interview them. They don't interview the pastor. Yes. And, uh, they just want a job so bad. They don't ask tough questions. And I, you know, I am representing them and I am serving that leader and I need to make sure that I can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's all about to me, serving the man and woman of God and the vision of the house. And for a guy who's been a lifetime associate, that's real important to me. And so, um, you know, that's a great resource. If you come to any orange, uh, uh, conference, the Orange Conference, Live to Serve or Orange Tour, where I am, I'll give you that free. Right. Uh, I and just what we'll do, Jim, about, we'll, we'll link to it. If you give me the yeah. direct link to, on your yeah. website, then in the show notes right. for this episode, uh, so leaders, you can just go straight to the show notes because everything like the Live to Serve Conference, Orange Conference, all those things Jim has referenced, we'll link to in the show notes. And then you can go straight to the Stay or Go resource as well, which I'm, I'm really, really happy with what I'm doing. I just want to take it for the heck of it. I want to find <laughs> yeah. out like, yeah, I, how I, happy I, am I? You've got me, you've got my, uh, uh, I think I'm in my dream job, but you know, and it's, I'm glad it helped more people stay than go. Yeah. And this is really more for associates right? than lead pastors. And that's been the, uh, uh you well, know, I kind of work been, for myself these days. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, if I'm not yeah. happy with myself, I haven't got many other places yeah, to that's, go. That's why I just blame my key. Uh, <laughs> blame Matt, your partner in this. Which, you know, I could not do what we do without Matt. He is oh, such yeah. a blessing. And I know he's, I think he's been on your podcast as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, but he will be, I'm sure at some point. Yeah, Matt yeah, McKee. Yeah, yeah. Really, really fascinating guy. Yeah. Yeah. Just such a out of the box thinker. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so we've got a great team, um, all the team at Orange. I've never met any Orange thinker I don't love and appreciate. Oh, yeah. Thank God for them. And, uh, it's just been one of the neatest things. Uh, well, you've dropped a lot of pearls in our time together today, Jim. And I know people are going to want to check out um, where you are these days. So your personal site is jimweidman.com, W-I-D-E-M-A-N. And then uh, what if they, if they want to like look a little bit further into staffing things, give us yeah. a website for that and where they can That's find you. That's nextgenstaffsolutions.com. Next okay. And uh, we, have a, uh, we do custom searches. That's our bread and butter. Okay. Uh, but for those that don't want to spend that money or just can't do that at this time, we do have a job board. Right. And, uh, and we're real tickled with uh, – you know, uh, we just sent out over 200,000 uh, 
uh, emails, uh, wow. through, um, uh, our connections with orange and other, uh, like ministries. And, uh, we're always driving, uh, you know, it's so funny. I had a guy the other day call me from a little city in in California. No one knew where that city was. Uh, he wants to pay, you know, 35 or $40,000 at a church of 4,000, um, for a children's pastor in California without real estate. And he said, I'm really disappointed in your site because, uh, you know, I haven't gotten the hits I want to have. And people have to realize it's like Craigslist, uh, the good (laughs) deals, uh, you go for first. Yeah. And the things that, you know, um, if, if you're making $40,000 in Dallas, uh, you won't be able to, even though it's a bigger church, you won't be able to buy a house in California. And so there's, you know, there's some of those things that people I think have, uh, it's crazy because there's some posts that just get 25, 30 hits and there's others that doesn't get a single one. That tells you something. Yeah. If you're listing all the stuff you got to do and you don't talk about the fun or the health of the staff or, uh, what kind of curriculum if you're an orange thinker and if you're not an orange thinker, uh, you know, we're not interested in you. Mm. Uh, that's going to speak <laughs> more than just here's the skills and qualifications <laughs> we're looking for. It's like the guy who lists his uh, fixer upper for 1.3 million, right? Well, I yeah. think it's worth yeah. it to me as my friend in real yeah. estate says, no, it's, it's worth whatever someone will pay for it. Right. Yeah. At the end yeah. of the day. That's good. Well, Jim, listen, this has been great. You have uh, shared so much wisdom with us and, uh, for everybody who's passionate about the next generation, I know you've really helped. So thanks for being a guest today. It's just an honor and a privilege, Like just like when we're on the road. I love hanging out with you, and it's great to hang out on podcasts. Thanks, Jim. Well, if you want more, you can find out more. You can go to the show notes, just kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 148, or you can also go to nextgenstaffsolutions.com. All the links to that are in the show notes. And uh, I get I get hit up all the time by people who are like, hey, do you know a student pastor who? That's why I'm so grateful for Next Gen Staff Solutions. They can help with that. Um, hey, we are back next week with a fresh episode. Are you ready? We're, we're going to have a lot of fun over the next little while. So Bethel Church, an amazing thing happening there with literally thousands and thousands of people attending, but thousands of church leaders being impacted by Bethel Church. So I'm going to be talking with Chris Velaton from their church. He's one of the teaching pastors, been with them for a long time. We have an amazing conversation. Also, um, Eugene Peterson is coming up on the podcast. Mark Clark, an amazing church planter who's changing the scene in Canada. We've got Matt Engel, Clay Scroggins, Eugene Peterson, Mark Batterson, Adam Weber, and so many more. If you haven't subscribed, would you do that today? Just subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, in the meantime, how about I give you a snack-sized bite from my conversation with Chris Velaton? And she said, I, I'm paying day and night. I, I hardly ever sleep. I, I, you know, I said, go eat your husband. And she just looked at me like, oh, no, this is not work. Not him. <laughs> not him. Yeah, anyone but him, you know. Yeah. And I say to him, you know, um, the Holy Spirit told me he's not going to heal your wife through me. He's going to heal her through you. So I want you to pray for her. He goes, I don't pray. <laughs> I don't pray. Just like this. I don't pray. Right. And I said, I grabbed him by the hand and I go, well, you do now. Right. And I put his hand on his wife's shoulder and I say, pray this prayer. And he looks at me as if to say, I don't pray. He didn't hmm. say it. He just said, looked at me. 
like I don't pray. So he prays for Jesus, you know, <laughs> and he prays like this obstinate prayer that's about ten words long, you know. Heal my wife. Heal my wife. And when we get to that part, he pulls his hand off. He stands back. Right, and, right. And she begins to move her legs and her arms. And she and I hear her say to herself, well, I, I think the pain has gone in my arms. Well, we got a lot more of that coming next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm really excited two weeks from now for my little panel on rural multi-site. Ten years ago, people said multi-site will never work in rural regions. Uh, guess what? Uh, wrong. And we're going to talk about that on the podcast. So a lot of good stuff coming up this summer for you. Hey, if this has meant something to you, share it with a friend, leave a rating or review on iTunes. In the meantime, how about I make this deal? We'll be back next Tuesday with that fresh episode, uh, Bethel Church and Chris Velaton next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. And I really do hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.